Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I'm, of course, Alex, your host, and today we're going to be talking about mutual funds. We are going to cover what they are and why you would consider investing in them. You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host. Alrighty, everyone. So I would bet that if you're listening to this episode that you have heard of a mutual fund, the question then becomes, how well do you understand what they are? Well, let's jump right in and see if I can't leave you with a much greater understanding of what mutual funds are. A mutual fund is an investment vehicle in which many investors pool their money together to be invested towards a common goal. Now, I'm going to go ahead and borrow Dave Ramsey's demonstration to simplify what it is I just said, but add a little bit of color to it. If you and your 10 friends wanted to invest your money and have it professionally managed, you would each have to go out and hire an investment advisor to go and do it. Each advisor would then charge fees and a percentage to do this service for you. But what if instead, the 10 of you put all of your money together and hired one advisor to manage the entire pot of cash? Well, that's what a mutual fund is. A mutual fund is just a company that only exists to own investments or an investment portfolio. And you can buy shares in that company to have ownership in it, just like how owning stock would give you ownership of a portion of assets and income of that company Owning stock in a mutual fund gives you the rights to the assets and income of the mutual fund. In this case, since the only asset of the company is the investment portfolio, you own a piece of that portfolio as opposed to maybe the stores, inventory, and parking lots that other companies would give you. Some of the advantages of investing through a mutual fund are that you get instant diversification, have minimal investment requirements, and you get professional management and a wide variety of choices in your investments. You get the diversification because each share of the mutual fund actually represents ownership in dozens of stocks. So that one share that you have is actually one share of a bigger portfolio which holds a certain amount of stocks, however many the mutual fund wants. Now, we're going to go more into diversification in an upcoming episode, but just know for now that diversification is very important for you to have a great portfolio, especially if you're intending to retire on that portfolio. The minimal investing requirements comes from you just having to have a brokerage account and then buy the shares you want. That's it. You don't need to try to balance out what industries you have in your portfolio or the asset allocation because that's what you're paying the mutual fund to do. You get your money professionally managed by seasoned investment advisors, and you can get it for much cheaper than paying someone on your own due to the economies of scale. This means that because the advisor is managing so much more money than just yours, they can charge a lower percentage and make more money for themselves than if they were just managing you. So, for example, say you have $20,000 to invest. An average investment advisor in the United States would charge you about 1% to manage it for you. This means that you would pay about $200 per year for your advisor. Now let's compare that to VTSAX. VTSAX is a very popular mutual fund to the financial independence crowd and is a vanguard fund that is indexed to the total U.S. stock market. VTSAX charges a 0.04% expense ratio. So how low is that? Your $20,000 investment will cost you $8 per year to be invested in that fund. 
your 1% fee that your advisor is charging you is $200. So $200 per year for the advisor versus $8 per year for VTSAX. Now, you might be asking how VTSAX can charge that little and still make money. Well, that mutual fund currently holds about $236 billion from various investors, and that 0.04% expense ratio brings in about $94 million in fee income per year. That is what we call an economy of scale. You as the investor can pay less for professional management because there are so many other investors putting money into the pot to be managed that the mutual fund can still make plenty of money with that low fee. The last advantage I'm going to talk about is that there are plenty to choose from. Here's a fun fact. In the United States, there are more mutual funds than there are publicly traded companies. Each of those mutual funds has its own investment strategy, its own objectives, so it is very likely that there are going to be several mutual funds that will match your investment strategy and your objectives. So let's talk about some cons, because for every pro, we have to have a con here. So the cons for mutual fund investing is that they can have high fees, they have what's known as a cash drag on their returns, and they have a certain really specific lack of liquidity that's unique to them. So let's start with fees. Each mutual fund can set their own fees and expense ratio. Depending on what assets you want in your mutual fund to be able to purchase, there could be some additional fees just because there are extra costs involved with those investments. An example of this might be if you purchase shares in an international stock mutual fund. So just a mutual fund that invests in international stocks. Maybe the fund has to pay foreign income taxes or capital gains and dividends taxes. Well, that extra cost is going to be passed along to the investors. And instead of doing it specifically every time, what they might do is just raise the expense ratio. Or they might just charge higher fees just because they can. Someone can come to your front door today and offer to sell you a watermelon for $100, and there'd be nothing illegal about charging $100. If you agree to it, then you agree to it. That's what you agree to on the price. Mutual funds are allowed to do basically the same thing. They can charge you 1%, 2%, 20%. They can charge you whatever they want. You just don't have to agree to it. Personally, I would never invest in a mutual fund that charges more than a 0.75% expense ratio. I would also never buy into a mutual fund that charges a load fee. Load fees are essentially a sales charge that mutual fund charges basically for the privilege of buying into their fund. These tend to come into two varieties, either a front-end load or a back-end load. Both are essentially the same thing. The main difference is when you get charged. A front-end load is assessed when you buy a mutual fund, and the back-end load is charged when you sell the mutual fund. Say you have a 5% front-end load. This means that for every $100 that you put into the fund, only 95 of it gets invested. The other five gets paid to somebody, either to the managers or the investment advisor that sold you the fund. Somebody's getting that 5% or that $5 because they took it from you and now someone's getting paid. If you have a 5% back-end load, then for every $100 that you sell out of the fund, you only receive $95 and then someone else gets to keep the other five. So let's go on to the next con for a mutual fund is going to be the cash drag. When you buy stocks in publicly traded companies, you are buying those shares typically from another investor or maybe a dealer. You would know this, you're just making the buy and the broker brings together the person that's also selling so that you can buy from them. But when you buy or sell shares in a mutual fund, you are transacting directly with the mutual fund. Because of this, there is constantly cash going into the fund as people buy more shares 
and cash going out of the fund as people sell shares. So to make sure that anyone who wants to sell out of the fund can get their cash immediately, mutual funds have to keep a rather large amount of cash just sitting around so that they're able to pay it out when the time comes. Since that cash is just sitting there as cash, instead of being actually invested, this creates a drag on portfolio returns because not all of the money is invested. Not all of it is compounding. Not all of it is increasing in value. Some of it's just sitting there in case someone wants to sell. So investing in a mutual fund would earn you less of a return than if you were to go and buy the same portfolio for yourself because you would have 100% of your money invested. They have to have cash. The last con I'm going to cover is a rather unique liquidity issue that they have. So mutual funds only trade at the end of the day once the prices are finalized and it's at the closing prices. So if you put in an order to purchase a mutual fund at 11 a.m., that trade does not happen until the markets close, and it happens at that closing price. So if you wanted to spend $1,000 to purchase VTSAX, you place it in the morning and it's $100 per share when you place the order. You would think that at the end of the day, you would end up with 10 shares, $100 per share, $1,000, 10 shares. Well, let's say that from the time you place your order till the closing bell that day, the price goes from $100 per share to $120 per share. Well, you're still putting in that same $1,000, but instead of getting 10 shares, you only get 8.33 shares. So you get in at that closing price and you would lose out on that 20% gain that happened because that gain happened before the transaction happened. So you weren't a shareholder until after that gain happened. The same situation can occur when you sell a mutual fund. If it's a down day and you try to sell out in the morning, well, that transaction isn't going to happen until the end of the day when, in my scenario I just said, you would end up losing more money because you can't sell right here right now. You can put in the trade whenever you want, but it's not going to happen until after the closing bell. So if you're trying to actively trade mutual funds, which I highly discourage, you're going to get burned with that. So let's go ahead and move on. Now that we've covered what mutual funds are and some of the pros and cons, let's talk about some types of mutual funds. Big mutual fund companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, these companies can create mutual funds to do basically anything. And there is no shortage of funds chasing all kinds of wacky goals or using wacky strategies to achieve those goals. So let's see if we can't categorize some of these. At the highest level, funds can be classified as either being active funds or passive funds. Active funds have a money manager or a team of money managers who are actively following companies, doing research, modeling companies with Excel spreadsheets that I can only dream of. And when they feel the time is right, they can buy or sell those assets whenever they want to accomplish those goals. Alternatively, you have passive funds, which are also known as index funds. Instead of trying to get the highest investment returns possible by endlessly analyzing companies and trading to get every advantage you can, passive funds choose an index, such as the S&P 500, maybe the Dow 30, maybe the Russell 2000, or just some other well-known benchmark, and they invest their funds in the same companies and percentages as that benchmark. The goal is to match the market average or the index average, whatever it is they're trying to track, without even trying to beat it. The managers of passive funds don't have to work as hard as the active managers because there's no research to be done. If the S&P 500 are these 500 companies, all you need to do is buy those 500 companies. You're not trying to find 
which one's going to do good in the next two weeks? Which one's going to do poorly in the next two weeks? Buy and sell and here or there. What about this one? Oh my God, did you see that article? Passive managers don't have to do that. They just pick an index and then do some buying and selling as they get cash coming into the fund, as they have cash going out of the fund. All they have to do is maintain, just keep that asset allocation. If you wanted to compare the two in, let's say, a water park setting, active funds are the people in the wave pool trying to rise with the waves and stay above the water, no matter how big of the waves get thrown at them or if they get switched up. They're the ones constantly trying to stay on top, trying to flow, go crazy. It takes a lot of effort. That's what they're doing. Passive funds, on the other hand, are the dads sitting in an inner tube on the lazy river sipping a pina colada and just going along with the current. Because passive funds involve much less work for money managers, there can be a lot less people managing the money, and they do a lot less work. Due to this, passive funds typically have much lower expense ratios and rarely have a load fee. In our early example with VTSAX, that is an example of a passively managed fund. It's an index fund that tracks the entire U.S. stock market. Once you get past active versus passive funds, you can further classify them as either stock funds, bond funds, target date funds, special funds, or money market funds. Stock and bond funds are exactly what you would think they are. It is a fund that invests only in stocks or only in bonds. Pretty straightforward. Money market funds are very low-risk funds that invest in risk-free securities like U.S. Treasury debt. Remember that in general, less risk means less returns. Money market funds are no exception to that. Target date funds are mutual funds that people use for retirement savings. Typically, they hold both stocks and bonds, and their name has a year in it. So an example might be, I'm just going to make something up, the Vanguard 2060 fund. This would mean just from the name that the fund is designed to be invested in by people who are expecting to retire somewhere around 2060. The same mutual funds typically have a series of these funds in five-year increments. So if you have the 2060 fund, there's probably also a 2065 fund, a 2070 fund, etc., etc. These funds are set up so that each year you get closer to the target date, more of the portfolio shifts from stocks to bonds. That way, the fund gets less and less risky as you get closer to retirement. Now, I would caution you to keep a lookout for the fees in these funds, as target date funds are pretty infamous for their fees for the last couple years. And then lastly, from what I've listed, we have special funds. Special funds is basically a catch-all miscellaneous term for any other kind of fund or strategy that basically people can possibly imagine. You might have a specialty fund that only invests in natural resources. So maybe it only invests in oil, farmland, and timber. You might have a specialty fund that invests just in cryptocurrency. You can really have these funds for anything and everything. A question you may have is, how do I know what the objectives of a mutual fund are, and what are they allowed to or restricted from doing to achieve that goal? Well, like most things in investing, you can look it up because these companies and mutual funds are legally required to tell you. Every mutual fund has a document that they release that is known as a prospectus. A prospectus lists out the fund, what their objectives are, what they can do, what they can't do, potential risks and benefits of the fund, who the managers are, what the fees are, and basically everything you wanted to know and everything you didn't want to know about the fund. The fund's prospectus is usually updated and published every year or just annually, and you can always find them online. To be convenient, since these documents can be pretty long, depending on the fund, they usually publish a summary prospectus. 
which usually is less than a couple pages and summarizes the biggest points you need to know, such as what they invest in, what the fees are, just the big main points that most people want to know about. Mutual funds are a fantastic option for simplifying your portfolio. There are many financial independence advocates that say that the best way to simplify your investing is just to invest in a handful of index funds, and that's it. Personally, I've done research on this, and holding a handful of mutual funds can be very much a viable alternative to hiring an investment advisor. In just about all of my experiments and tests, the mutual fund portfolio beat a professionally managed portfolio that was made by an investment advisor. I was able to talk to some friends and get a hold of a portfolio that their advisor actually gave to them. So I ran it and the index fund portfolio typically outperformed, especially if you take into account the fees that came from the mutual funds that the advisor chose for them, as well as the typically 1% fee that the advisor charged. A fun fact is that index mutual funds were created by an investor by the name of Jack Bogle, who had written some wonderful books on the subject that I recommend. But I'll take a second and give a shout out to the Bogleheads Forum, which is bogleheads.org and is a group of investors that only invest in index funds and highly follow the teachings and readings of Jack Bogle because he was a very brilliant investor. I highly recommend checking them out. They love something called a three-fund portfolio. Essentially, you can reach full diversification and have a fantastic portfolio by only holding three mutual funds. Now, if y'all are interested in me doing an episode on the three-fund portfolio and going more into it and explaining how that works, be sure to reach out. I'll be happy to do it. And I'm also going to go ahead and post a link in the description so you can go and check out the Bogleheads. And with that, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. I do have some exciting news. As I will be interviewing Jeff Porter, who has had over a 20-year professional career in investing, holds a CFA charter, is a certified financial planner, and is the chief investment officer at Sullivan, Briette, Sparrows, and Blaney, which is a fee-only financial firm which manages $4.3 billion for their clients and was rated among the top 50 firms in Washington, D.C. It is going to be a great honor to have him on the show, and I want to give my audience a chance to ask some questions. So I am interviewing him the Thursday that this episode is going to be published. So if you have a question that you would like me to ask Mr. Porter... Feel free to send me an email, MainStreetFinance at gmail.com, send me a tweet at MainStreetMoney, or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply comment below, and we'll see if we can't get that put on the list and see if we can't get him on the air answering your question for you. And until then, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.